This is Arab Talk on KPOO in San Francisco, 89.5 FM. This is Arab Talk with Justin Jamal. I'm Jaskan Nam. And this is Jamal Dajani. We got a great show today, Jamal, but there is some breaking news about the uh, terrorist attack in Barcelona, Spain. We just want to update our listeners about that before we get to the rest of the show. We just have found out that uh, 13 confirmed dead. And uh, how many injured based on what uh, it looks like well over 50 or 60 people injured? That's right. It's uh, actually this is the the recent updated news. Uh, A van drove into a crowd of people on a popular pedestrian street in Barcelona, Spain, just uh, today, uh, killing at least 13 people. So the number is now at 13 people and injuring at least 80. 80 now, wow. Yeah, so at least 80 people. uh, This is according to a report from the Catalan uh, government. The driver of the vehicle fled the scene. Uh, This is, uh, the police said that they have detained two people who might have uh, be connected to the attack. As of 8 p.m. local time, that's in uh, in Spain, officers were still evacuating uh, people from the Las uh, Ramblas area, and authorities confirmed that gunshots were exchanged at a checkpoint. And there was some talk, Jamal, I don't know if it's been reported yet, that there may be hostages taken. Do we have any information about that? Uh, there, there are conflicting uh, reports about this, uh, and some stuff just keeps coming. But uh, at least for now, uh, we know uh, ISIS, or the Islamic State, has claimed uh, responsibility for the attack through its uh, Amak news uh, agency. Uh, they've already posted something like this. Uh, there might be some hostages. I don't think uh, the police uh, want to give some hints. Right. Uh, so if people have any updates, of course, they can share that. And if we hear something from our followers in uh, Barcelona or in Spain, uh, please uh, keep, keep us uh, updated. Um, the uh, authorities have been advising the public to avoid both the square and the boulevard and uh, the main center there. Anyone in the region should stay where they are. This is according to officials, and uh, they've been communicating to everyone through uh, social media. Uh, International leaders have condemned this attack. This massive car attack struck, you know, as we know, Berlin and the French cities of Nice in 2016. So this is still a developing story. It's a very... Uh, important news uh, that we just wanted to update uh, everyone. So that's 13 dead in uh, Barcelona, over 80 injured. Uh, It's a popular tourist attraction, uh, the street of Las Rambles, or the district. It's a very popular destination for Americans, uh, Europeans, uh, Australians. It's... uh, it's really quite devastating. Uh, we will keep people up to date during the hour, Jamal, as we get more information. That's right. And uh, we are going to go to our main topic, Jess, uh, because this is what we were going to talk about thro- throughout yeah, throughout the week. The discussion, especially right here in the, in the U.S., is about white supremacy. And uh, my question is, uh, what's the common denominator between white supremacists, the Israeli settlers, and even ISIS in this case, Jess? 
Well, um, I think that's a really great question, Jamal. And basically what we're facing right now is a rise of this uh, kind of population of these disenfranchised men who are very, very committed to an ideology of separation, of isolation, of supremacy, and of hate. And if you want to look at the common denominator, it's, it's actually frightening when you think about the similarities among the white supremacists that are m- marching in Charlottesville and are in, you know, throughout the United States, the Israeli settler movement, which is a settler colonial project, and, you know, some of the ideology of ISIS, the commonality, commonalities of wanting to be separate, wanting to think that they are superior to other people, and then committed to uh, vicious acts of violence in order to achieve their aims. And here what we have now, in, in kind of this raw form now, in 2017, kind of this common theme among these kind of racist ideologically driven, uh, frequently homegrown ideologies that are really wreaking havoc in each of their respective regions of the world. That's right. I mean, if you think about what happened today and just what happened just a couple of days ago, really, right here in in the heart of the United States, in Virginia and Charlottesville. It's the same thing. It's, 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 it's the same thing, this hatred of the other, this hatred to inflict harm on the others, to be, you know, considered superior, as you've mentioned, yeah, it's a to the others. And ironically, look at the method of attack, Jamal. And the method, you, you're right. Uh, and in this case, in Charlottesville, uh, you know, in a sad way, in, and maybe in, in a lucky way, there was only one fatality in, 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 in Barcelona. It's uh, now 13. But they used uh, a vehicle. This is the method that ISIS used in Nice, in Spain, and uh, in Paris and other places. And uh, it's very similar. Well, when I look at the images of these, uh, these men, and it, it's quite alarming, Jamal, when you look at these pictures of the white supremacists in Charlottesville who came to a demonstration armed with uh, semi-automatic weapons, handguns, rifles, shotguns. You look at that picture of these men who are all fatigued up. These are, you know, the white supremacist KKK movement in Charlottesville. They look so similar to the ISIS fighters, Mm -hmm. you know, who are all, you know, um, you know, they they have their weapons, they have their semi-automatic weapons, they're they're dressed in fatigues. And and the Israeli settler movement, too, who are carrying their AK-47s, their M-16s, their semi-automatic weapons, and they, too, are dressed in fatigues. And, And you look at the imagery of this, and it's just stunning to see how these are so painfully, and I should say, Jamal, grotesquely similar in terms of exercising this this worldview of hate and separation against another. You're right. Uh, I was looking at the news, you know, recently, of course, uh, more and more things we have been learning about what happened in Charlottesville and the, and the condemnation. And of course, President, bon, uh, President Trump uh, oscillating between 
first, uh, you know, equating between the victim and the criminal and then condemning the KKK and white supremacists and then later on taking it back, taking it back. And uh, one thing really interesting that I've been seeing, which is uh, that now, uh, because, of course, of social media, and that's why we sh- and and uh, and independent media, I, w- I would have to say independent media, right? White supremacists involved in the Charlottesville violence uh, are reportedly now terrified about being publicly exposed. That's right, being outed. In case they lose their jobs or uh, receive, uh, you know, abuse online. This this is what uh, an article uh, reported on. So on Monday, it emerged anti-fascist vigilance were naming, uh, you know, I, I like how they say it, vigilantes, I'm sorry, anti-fascist vigilantes were naming and shaming white supremacists on sh- social media uh, after clashes between the two sides overwhelmed the city over the weekend. So now all of a sudden you have that naming and shaming, which I think it's appropriate. Of course. I mean, if you are a Nazi, I think everybody should know that you are a Nazi. If you are a member of the KKK, I think all your neighbors should know that you are a member of KKK. If you are a member of any hate group. If you are a member of a hate group. We are going to expose you. You should be exposed. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because, you know, social media has been used not only against these white supremacists in Charlottesville, but social media was also... Uh, used to expose and target ISIS terrorists and fighters. Mm -hmm. And also, we know, Jamal, among the Israeli settler movement, when they've committed their acts of terror against Palestinian children, there have been a number of instances where these events have been captured on social media and been used to find, and we'll say attempt to prosecute at least, but to put into context the reality of that that terrorist uh, movement which is really what a settler movement is, mm-hmm. you know, because of this commonality, this common theme that we're pointing out, to really hold, try to hold them accountable in the same way. So now hundreds of photos of white supremacists appear. You can find those online in the wake of the violence. Absolutely. And uh, how similar do you see? I mean, I know you talked about this earlier, but even the images, because I think imagery... It's so powerful it's here. It's very powerful. I, I wanted to elaborate more uh, on the similarities between those white supremacists and the Israeli settlers. Well, look at what they were saying, Jamal. Look, look at what they were saying. Not, you know, you will not replace us, you know, our soil, our land. I mean, this kind of uh, this ideology, you know, holding guns and automatic weapons defending a land, wanting to have a land just for themselves. I mean, the not just the imagery, Jamal, not just the uh, ideology, but the flat-out statements about ridding the land, in the case of white supremacists, ridding the land of African Americans, brown Americans, people of color, basically w- wanting a white-only state, and the Israeli settler movement, which basically wants a Jewish-only state. And then you look at the ISIS movement, which wants, you know, the, a similar thing like a caliphate. So the similarity here in terms of the imagery, the ideology, 
and flat out statements, I mean, it's, it's for me at least, when I see that similarity, it's really frightening to me to see that common thread through each of these kind of uh, movements that are seeking to really destroy other people. I mean, you know, Jamal, we've been talking about white supremacy and Israeli settlers for a long time on, on Arab talk. Mm-hmm. And yet, still, and I think the same for you and me, is that when we saw those white supremacists marching with, uh, with those tiki lamps, with, you know, with, uh, you know, the flames, mm-hmm. And, and, and with loaded weapons and, and all loaded up, it just is unbelievable that we're living in a world where not only are we seeing these things, but we have leaders, and, and whether it's Donald Trump or Benjamin Netanyahu or uh, al-Baghdadi, you know, in terms of the, the spiritual leader of ISIS, mm-hmm. you know, basically calling these people out, supporting them, encouraging them, and as we've said, what Donald Trump is really advocating is giving uh, sustenance to the white supremacy movement. He's giving what they call sukkur. He's giving them energy mm-hmm. by, by defending them, by saying, hey, there were a lot of good people there. What good people march with white supremacists? He said, there's a lot of fine people there that weren't white supremacists. My question to him, Jamal, what good people of conscience stands shoulder to shoulder with a white supremacist. Well, as you know, you know, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, or uh, as his nickname, Bibi, is uh, best buddies. They're besties with besties. Uh, with uh, Donald Trump. And don't you see also a similarity? Absolutely. Uh, Bibi Netanyahu's uh, base is really lies in the heart of the Israeli settlement or settler movement, which encompasses 600,000 right. uh, colonial uh, right-wingers and settlers right there in, in the West Bank. And uh, when you look at this and then you compare it with uh, Donald Trump and his base. It's the same. I don't see any difference. I mean, it's frightening to see those similarities. And when, when you look at the only two countries in the world, Jamal, that see Donald Trump in a positive light, there's only two countries. When, when Let they, me guess. <laughs> when they polled the entire world, Jamal, right. and they looked country by country throughout the world, only two countries had uh, you know, greater than 50% support for Donald Trump and his attitude and his beliefs. Russia... Mm-hmm. which is having their own white supremacy kind of nationalistic uh, reemergence, and Israel. These are the only two countries in the world that value, that support uh, Donald Trump's ideology. I don't think that's random. And so when you see Donald Trump and Bibi Netanyahu literally and figuratively hand in hand, you know, saying, and this is what Netanyahu said, you know, Donald Trump and I are on the same page. Well, to every single American who hears that and sees Donald Trump and Bibi Netanyahu hand in hand, that should make the American population shudder in fear, loathing, and worry because we're supporting a country, the, you know, Israel, that, that is promoting this kind of, you know, white supremacy movement, uh, these 600,000 settlers, which are, and, you know, we know this, Jamal. They march every day every with day. guns. Every day with guns. Uh, they've actually taken 
uh, an entire neighborhood uh, in Hebron. That's right. Basically drove all the Palestinians out of there and patrol it, and they are aided and abetted by the Israeli, Israeli army. army right there. And two weeks ago, Jamal, there was a march of, of, of some 5,000 uh, Israeli settlers in downtown Hebron in the middle of a, uh, a Palestinian city of over 140,000 Palestinians. 5,000 illegal Israeli settlers were marching down the streets you know, basically carrying placards, this is ours, get out of our town. And it was being celebrated. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that, the, er, that Americans don't see how the United States is supporting this, this kind of ideology. I mean, if you hate and you are against white supremacy in the United States, mm-hmm. then you must be against the illegal Israeli settler movement and settler colonial project that's being engaged in Palestine. And if you're against ISIS, you have to be against the Israeli settler movement. And white supremacists. And, and white supremacists. Uh, here is a, a recent United Nations report just uh, just came out about uh, a week ago. Uh, and in it, uh, the, the findings, Israeli settler violence against Palestinian civilians in the West Bank has increased 88% this year alone. 88% this year alone. But that's not random. And, and, we, and, and we all know over 600,000 Israeli settlers illegally live in the West Bank according to, as defined by international uh, law. Uh, this finding, by the way, came out just a few days after Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu declared that between quotes, no other government has done as much for settlement in the land of Israel as the government which I lead. So this is the relationship, the relationship between the uh, uh, Bibi Netanyahu and his core group, his base in the colonial settlements and the relationship between Donald Trump and his, his base core. and core group amongst the white supremacists in the United States. It's the same, Jamal. And it's incumbent upon people of justice, people of conscience, people who are committed to an anti-racist democratic society where one person equals one vote, where we are treated with dignity and respect and equals to confront the scourge of white supremacy, to confront the scourge of settler Israeli settler colonialists and that settler colonial project, as well as confronting the scourge of ISIS. If you're against one, you have to be against all three because they stand, Jamal, these three, these three projects, white supremacy, Israeli settler colonial project, and ISIS, they all stand shoulder to shoulder. Uh, you've been listening to Arab Talk on KPOO. San Francisco. This is 89.5 FM, and we also welcome welcome our uh, viewers on Facebook Live. That's right. uh, we are reading your comments. Sorry we cannot uh, engage with you now in answering you because the show goes on very quickly. Very However, quickly, we yeah. are reading your comments, and also for those uh, who want to listen to the show later on, they can also listen to it on SoundCloud. Uh, just updating you again, uh, this is another sad update with which we started talking about it, uh, you know, when we launched the show today, uh, today, Thursday, in uh, it was uh, the afternoon in Barcelona, Spain, 
in a nice and tranquil right. tree-lined pedestrian pathway. It, uh, that tranquility just was shattered, shattered by a bloody vehicular attack that killed more than a dozen people and uh, prompted a manhunt. The driver's whereabouts are still unknown. We get we get two conflicting police reports. One say they are being surrounded, and then they say they they are, um, you know, that we don't know where are the drivers. Exactly. Uh, but, but we know that 13 people have sadly died, and more than 80 have been injured, according to the Catalan government. The driver of the vehicle fled the scene. Police say they have detained two people who might have a connection to the attack, uh, but neither is uh, the driver. And uh, even late at night, even through, there is a manhunt going on, and police officers have been evacuating people from the Las Ramblas area in Barcelona. Um, Authorities also confirmed that gunshots were exchanged at a police checkpoint but the circumstances were unclear and police did not specify whether it was related to the van. Now, we know one thing for sure. Of course, this is an attack. It's a vehicular uh, attack similar to what happened in Charlottesville where we had one fatality there. But we also know that uh, the Islamic State or ISIS or ISIL ISIL or whatever or Daesh as... how it is referred to in Arabic, uh, has claimed responsibility for the attack. Uh, We don't know if this has been confirmed, but uh, they've claimed responsibility. And this can, of course, mean a number uh, of things. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some say that uh, the attack was planned by ISIS leaders. Others said that uh, this is maybe a, a lone man or a lone wolf type of attack. And it was... Uh, planned independently. Uh, This time, all what we know that there was an ISIS uh, statement which said that the perpetrators were from the ranks of the Islamic State and were responding to calls for attacks. Uh, The, uh, you know, the van slammed into scores of people as it drove down the famous pedestrian walkway that runs down the middle of uh, Las uh, Ramblas. Ramblas. Yeah, that's really... The tragedy is just, you know, is just uh, beyond words sometimes to think about the level of carnage that is being inflicted in those areas. Um, but, you know, I, I have to say, Jamal, at the same time, I mean, you know, I want to go back to your comment about the U.N. report showing that there's been an 88 percent increase in, in Israeli settler violence against Palestinians uh, uh, in this last year. Let's not forget that uh, the Israeli settler movement uh, is emboldened not just by Bibi Netanyahu, but by uh, by Donald Trump, who, you know, is holding hands with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu on stage. Benjamin Netanyahu being one of the first people to visit, you know, uh, Donald Trump after he was, you know, uh, sworn in as the 45th president of the United States. And Donald Trump saying endlessly how you know, unconditional support for Israel, so on and so forth. So the settler movement is emboldened by Donald Trump. The white supremacist movement is emboldened by Donald Trump. He is the divider in chief. 
Jamal. Mm-hmm. He, he, his ideology is seeking to divide people. You know, and, and basically that's what we're seeing in these ideologies, whether it be white supremacy or the Israeli settler colonial movement or, or ISIS for that matter, which I too believe he's emboldening in some way too by, by his rhetoric. So we're in a situation now where we're confronting a, a reality that we have a world leader, in, if you can call him a leader, but, uh, you know, you know, theoretically, the, the leader of the free world, we put that in air quotes, who, who is fomenting and aspirationally inviting these kinds of uh, horrific uh, attacks by these, uh, by these racist, aggressive, you know, white supremacy movements. It's, it's really terrible. And uh, I want to also add that uh, the Kushners, or uh, this is the in-laws uh, of... Uh, Donald Trump. Donald Trump. The, the, the son-in-law. Of son-in-law. Uh, have been involved uh, with the settlement movement. Uh, well, the Kushner family has, has donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to the illegal colonial settler movement in Israel. And uh, uh, Jared himself has been rumored to have not only visited settlements, but uh, has close acquaintances. Now that we can't independently confirm that that has been reported in other in other uh, areas that he has you know contacts pretty close contacts with the settler movement Jamal have you heard anything from Jared Kushner about uh, these these uh, white supremacy KKK attacks and these attacks are are brutally anti-semitic you know they're they're basically you know uh, I mean how can a Jewish American feel like comfortable in this context or, or, or not just speak up. Uh, have you heard anything from Jared Kushner? No, but I mean, I don't care f- to hear from him or not. Uh, I'd like to hear from President T- Trump. We did hear which from we President. Did, which we did hear from him. And, and he's and sad that the Confederate uh, icons and the Confederate uh, statues are being taken down and covered. Yeah, he compared actually uh, the taking down of these statues to like uh, he was saying, what, what, what's next, uh, George Washington, Hamilton, and so forth. So he was comparing them to the founders of, uh, of the United of States. The United States. But I just want to go back quickly to the uh, Jared Kushner. But actually, there was an article in Haaretz uh, a, um, linking Jared Kushner's uh, uh, family to funding the settler uh, movement settlers uh, uh, and funding the, the building of a school uh, in part uh, in the uh, settlement of Efrat it was funded by uh, in partly funded by the the kushners uh, you've mentioned something very important these white supremacists they're also anti-semitic deeply in fact they were chan- chan- chanting and I'll go to their quotes you know, saying they don't want, I'm paraphrasing, they don't want the country to be taken, or they don't want to be replaced by Jews. Unbelievable. Right? So how do you consolidate this to what's happening right here, the anti-Semitic rhetoric uh, by the white supremacists and, uh, you know, what's happening with the occupation uh, of uh, Palestine by Israel and the colonial settler movement. I think it's the same, Jamal. It's the same. It's the same kind of, you know, that 
what the white supremacists do, Jamal, is basically say we, God, has made us superior. I mean, the, the, especially the white supremacist movement that is fueled by, uh, you know, a, a, a kind of religious theme believes that they are superior. They don't believe in the Constitution. That's why they like the uh, that, that's why they like Robert Lee. I mean, they basically do not believe in the equality of men and women. They believe they are superior. And, you know, they they have this view somehow that brown people, black people and people of who are, you know, Semitic for that matter, the Jewish community and others are somehow less than them. Now, if you look at the rhetoric of the Israeli settler movement, they say the same thing. They believe that God gave them land, that it's their land, and that their land should be for them only, and they need to rid the land of, you know, the indigenous people there, Palestinians. It's the same thing. Now, grotesquely, it's the same thing that ISIS says in terms of their caliphate. So, again talking about the common themes across these hateful ideologies is really frightening if you and I, I unfortunately I think that most Americans don't want to think outside the box and making the linkage you know from white supremacy to Israeli settler movement to ISIS because you have to really think very nuancedly and very in a very complex way but the common themes there are just hitting you in the face, especially if you've seen the reality of the Israeli settler movement as, as we have, and we see the reality of white supremacy mm-hmm. as we have, and as we've seen the reality of what ISIS has done, you know, in the Arab world. So I, I think to you and me, it's just like, it's like painfully obvious. I like the connection that you've made or the uh, comparison that you've made uh, about how they looked, their outfit. Looks the same uh, ba- to me. Basically, you know, armed to the teeth with uh, uh, some of them with machine guns or semi-automatic weapons, wearing uh, fatigues. fatigues, you know, because most of this, if not all of these settlers uh, served or still serve in the Israeli army. But something really important I've, I've been noticing that uh, now, because I was going over many of those uh, uh, pictures and uh, f- footage online, that uh, the uh, white supremacists these days, they are dressed in polos and khakis, <laughs> which is, which, no, look at, actually, I urge everyone to go and look at how they're dressed. Of course, they still have the short hair, kind of the, the crew cut and whatever, but they're all dressed in polos and khakis. And, uh, you know, we all, every, I guess everyone knows that the uh, Ku Klux Klan, uh, you know, rebooted itself now, you know, it was large, it's largely, of course, uh, comprised of white supremacists and their outfit going back, I guess, to the turn of the century. Uh, they uh, hid behind white robes or white sheets. Now they're not hiding. Uh, and, uh, you know, for mainly two reasons. One, to intimidate. It's very intimidating to look at these, uh, at the Ku Klux Klan wearing those sheets. And also, but also more to hide, to hide their identity. You know, they were cowards. They were, of course, afraid of recognition. They were afraid for their lives, even though, you know, they were targeting at the time mostly African-Americans, lynching them, setting their homes on fire, burning crosses uh, at their front uh, lawns and so forth. Now, 
These guys are dressed in khakis and polos. It's yes. the rebranding, Jamal. They're so re, they're what's going on with this? But 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 here's what it is. Let they're me not say. afraid. Well, what, that, that's my point, Jamal. Is that white supremacy uh, is rebranding itself to, and this should really frighten every American, to a group of young white male men is rebranding itself as as being you are one of us you can wear khakis and polos everybody is welcome in this tent if you're white they they are rebranded and they are inspired they are unabashed about it they are not afraid about it they don't have to hide although this exposure with social media may get them to change their mind, but they are proud because they now have in the White House somebody who has their back. David Duke Jamal, the leader of the KKK. Former. Some, still, still, some yeah. people still argue that he's the spiritual leader yeah, okay. of the KKK okay. of the United States. Yeah. On two occasions in, in the last 48 hours, came out to thank President Trump for his support. Mm -hmm. What yeah. does that tell you? That they are not afraid. They are not afraid. They feel like Donald Trump has their back. They feel like they have the, the backing of the most powerful position in the world. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that with the message that Donald Trump sends to Benjamin Netanyahu and sends to the Israeli settler colonial movement, it's the same message. We got your back. Do what you need to do. Take care of business. Now, I read somewhere, I forgot which article I, I was reading, but, uh, and I know uh, this might get me in trouble, hopefully not, <laughs> but I, 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 I agree with the, uh, the writer, but he was making a, he or she, so I have, I'm not sure who was the writer, but he was making a, an uncanny comparison saying that uh, there is a resemblance to President Trump's off-duty style with their dress because, uh, you know, uh, this is oh, how, he how polo Donald shirts. Trump yeah, yeah. dresses uh, in a polo shirts. You know, there's a... Khakis. You know, there isn't much visible difference between a, dom a demonstrator uh, in a Make America Great Again hat... Yes. A white polo and khakis and what the president bulges out of when he's hitting the links. I, I, that may or may not get us into trouble, <laughs> but, but the visual comparison is undeniable. I mean, y y you know that, that statement, make America great again, Jamal? We have said jokingly when he first made that statement. We said this eight months ago, ten months ago. It's really meant, it really says, make America white again. And we were criticized yeah. for, for making that comparison. But that's really the subtext, isn't it? Because the white supremacists say, we want to take our country back. That's exactly what Donald Trump said. I want to give you your country back. That's what the Israeli settler movement says. We want our country back. That's what the ISIS uh, terrorists, I mean... The, the similarities in all of this ideology, all of this narrative, all of this rhetoric is, is, is really, it's really staggering, Jamal, to see the similarities here. 
And one more similarity, I'll, I'll move on from the topic of the clothing because I'm, maybe I'm obsessing too much no, on how they no. look, the khakis, th- the polo. No, no, but I think that's a brand. But that's, a, kind of that's a brand. It's part of the branding. Lo- the same look in the kind of brown shirts and yes. the Nazis, actually, they wear also the neo-Nazis, the khakis and, and that polo look or shirt look that's right. kind of clean cut. So there is a similarity, and which the many of the settlers, by the way, also have this uh, have this look because many of them are uh, on active duty That's with right. the military, so they stay with their fatigue or khakis and shirts and carry, you know, of course, uh, they're always their armed uh, to the teeth. You're listening to Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco 89.5 FM, and of course, we welcome our listeners on Facebook uh, Live. Uh, and we are reading your comments and your interactions. Uh, we hopefully will respond to some of them later on. And uh, we also have some questions. Uh, so uh, just, uh, we have a question from someone who uh, actually uh, tweeted me asking about, uh, you know, we talked about the update on what's going on in, in uh, Barcelona. Yeah. But uh, he said, of course, ISIS, that's the comment, ISIS uh, it takes the claim for everything, but uh, uh, he was talking about uh, when you have uh, terroriz- terrorism committed by Muslims or so-called Muslims, it's immediately in the media labeled as terrorism. But when you have just what we saw in the case uh, in Charlottesville and other incidents when the perpetrator or petr- perpetrators are uh, whites, uh, you know, it's hesitation. usually hesitation or they are deranged and it takes a long time before, you know, they utter the word terrorism. Let, let's be really clear about this, Jamal. What happened in Charlottesville when this white supremacist rammed his car and killed this young woman and injured all those people was an act of terrorism. Now, you can call it domestic terrorism. I don't care. Homegrown. Homegrown terrorism. I don't care. But this was an act of domestic terrorism. The president of the United States did not say it was domestic terrorism. The Justice Department, the head, you know, Jeff Sessions, dances around the issue of whether or not it's domestic terrorism because apparently they're, they're thinking, well, it's a definitional problem. But we're not talking about definition from a legal standpoint, we're talking about an act of terror to inflict psychological fear in large numbers of people in a community out of an ideology. This was domestic terrorism. This was an act of terrorism. Why cannot people just call it what it is? And that's, that's the questioner's comment, which is you have this hypocrisy, you have this double standard that when a brown person or a Muslim-identified person commits these horrific acts, it's obvious terrorism, which it is, but when a white supremacist does it or an Israeli settler does it, somehow they're given a pass. The word terrorism is not used. It doesn't roll off the tongue so easily. And that is, that is a double standard, and that is part of the hypocrisy. Well, do you think uh, that now we, we are seeing you know, an increase in uh, uh, at least... Uh, uh, or emboldened attacks by white supremacists targeting uh, Americans, right, in their, in their homes, that uh, the media at least will start making that connection immediately. I don't know. Instead of giving them a pass. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that this, 
I think that this is a turning point in our in our. This is what we call Jamal a historic, a great historical moment. You have you have one of the we have moments like this historically that happen infrequently. What happened in Charlottesville, although it's no surprise to any of us that white supremacy exists and does damage and wreaks havoc in our society, but what makes this a historical moment is is the fact that you you have. A leader and a person in the in the in the person of Donald Trump as president, who is not condemning it universally, and in fact, in his own kind of verbal statements, is actually fomenting and supporting it. That is a historical moment because look at all the great presidents, you know, and, and look at when they have confronted egregious acts of terror like this. You either step up, or you don't. And it, Donald Trump has not stepped up. I have actually two updates, just uh, yeah. that came uh, on the wire. What's uh, happening in about, Barcelona? About Barcelona, exactly. Uh, Spanish officials say uh, that's the first update that Wednesday's explosion that killed one person is linked to Barcelona's uh, van attack. Okay. So this is coming, and then the other update is they arrested suspects identified as Spaniard. One Spaniard and and one Moroccan, and the van driver still at large. This is okay. another update that uh, uh, we received. Okay. Um, well, let me ask you, Jamal. What 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 do you what are you getting from the media? I mean, I'm I'm kind of shocked that Jared Kushner. I mean, I'm I'm sorry to keep going back to this because <laughs> your favorite. Uh, your favorite man in the White House. But here's a man that's held up as a man of courage, a man of integrity, who... He's the peacemaker between the Palestinians and, and the Israelis. Israelis who, who had to listen to his father-in-law basically support white supremacists who were calling for the extinction and the killing of Jewish Americans. And he's silent? And, 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 and his cabinet members who are also Jewish Americans, are silent in the face of the president supporting, you know, uh, you know deep anti-Semites in this way? Well, I, I, I'm trying to wrap my mind around how isn't silence complicity when you are silent in the face of these horrific acts? Aren't you complicit in it in some way? Well, of course you are complicit, but I think... Donald Trump, I honestly think Donald Trump does not care about anything as long as or whoever supports him, votes for him, praises him. Uh, and, and, and as far as he's concerned, and that's why the waffling between first, uh, you know, equating the victim with the, with the, the criminal to then condemning the KKK and the white supremacists, then, then to going again. Because someone, or maybe, maybe no one, whispers in his ear, maybe he whispers in his own mind, that, hey, without the white supremacists, without, you know, those head groups, etc. He's not president. You are not going to w to win the re-election. So you, if sure. he, because he has alienated everyone in the United States outside this group, yeah. this core group, 
even within the Republican Party, even within his, now we're seeing, we're seeing uh, congressmen and, and senators uh, speaking out. Well, not to certain, entirely. To a certain extent. Listen, Jamal. Going against, against, against at least his policy. But not against him. We're seeing the chief of staff of, of what they call it, the... Uh, chief of staff, no, you know, no, no, General no, the, Kelly? No, not the chief of staff, I'm sorry. Even though uh, General Kelly also condemned uh, the white supremacists, I'm talking about the military. Oh, yeah, the, the joint chiefs of staff. Joint chiefs of staff. Right. They, they've made an unprecedented... Usually they stay out of politics. Not this time. And, and this time they've actually made... They issued a statement That's right. condemning these groups. Okay, but here's my problem. Donald Trump is a coward. I mean, no doubt. Um, he's a coward. Opportunist. He's an opportunist. He, he's, he's a coward. He doesn't have... Uh, we can't say what he doesn't have on air, but anyways. But I consider any congressman and any senator who condemns white supremacy without condemning... Donald Trump, also a coward. How hard is it, Jamal, to say white supremacy is bad? How hard is it to say that the KKK is bad? That doesn't take any courage. It doesn't take any courage to say what happened in Charlottesville was bad. It takes courage to confront the president of the United States and say, Donald Trump, what you said was immoral, lacked courage, and did not, uh, and did not uh, you know, have any kind of moral character and it needs to be condemned. Condemning white supremacy in 2017, Jamal, is no big deal. Anybody can do that, even a senator or a congressman. But you have to condemn the person who is supporting it. Well, here, since you like polls, <laughs> here is another poll, and this is a, a, an important one. 40% of Americans polled support impeachment for President Trump according to a new poll released Thursday, which is today. Interesting. Uh, uh, the poll done by the Public Religion Research Institute shows a 10-point jump from the same results in February. It was conducted between August 2nd and August 8th, which in my opinion, the numbers will even increase. Probably after this after event. This, before yeah. the violent rally in Charlottesville. So this is before even the events in Charlottesville. And so 40%, uh, they think he should be impeached. impeached. Uh, the results also found that 56% of people polled have unfavorable ratings for President Trump compared with 38% favorable reviews. Well, I, I, I hate to say this, Jamal. Even though I was the one that predicted, you know, that Donald Trump would win the presidency before it happened. You did. I'm afraid that... You did the worst prediction <laughs> for this country, Jess. Thanks a lot. I know. I'm afraid that this guy's going to be around for a while. Why? I, I just don't see the moral fiber of the Senate or the Congress, the Republicans especially, being able to step up to the plate. I really don't see it happening. I was reading actually a report, I think in The Economist, which uh, based it, what you're saying, that Donald Trump will get re-elected yeah. if, uh, I think they called it three W's or four W's, they nicknamed it uh, three, Wall Street, yes. which, by the way, crashed today. Right. But uh, since his presidency, Wall Street has been do doing fairly well. So, but, sure. But they based that because 
you know, they connect it to the economy and they say, Wall Street, Wall Street gives W4, I think, work, you know, employment. And then the third one, uh, war, if he doesn't drag us into uh, another war. Which it looks like he will. Which he might. So, so but in general, uh, they said, don't count him out. I don't count him out. Uh, don't rely on the Democrats doing anything positive. I agree. As long as the economy is doing well and he keeps America out of war, he'll get reelected. Yeah, I, I would just add another, uh, I would just add something else in there. I just don't think that the Republicans have the moral fiber. I mean, how are they going to impeach him when they, they can't even condemn him? That you have a president who, who, who is basically making this false equivalency between protesters and violent white supremacist actors saying that both sides, you know, were, were bad. Uh, and, and having Republican senators and Congress people who can't even condemn him. You know that uh, all the news, this was interesting. They, they asked all the major news networks, they asked the 52 Republican senators to come on the air mm -hmm. and to give a public rebuking of Donald Trump. Guess how many took took him up on took them up on the offer how many zero zero you couldn't find a single senator <laughs> they're cowards they are that's cowards. what this on on that final note thank you all for listening to us thanks we're coming to another end of arab talk of arab talk this is arab talk on kpoo san francisco 89.5 fm we'll see you next week